Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. Before we get started, just a heads up that this episode contains explicit racist language as well as graphic depictions of violence. I'm Alan Montecilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara, and welcome to the Bay. Local news to keep you rooted. Nearly one in five police officers in the city of Antioch are currently suspended. The feds had already been investigating the department on allegations of assault, fraud, bribery, and more. Through that investigation, authorities found dozens of text messages sent by Antioch police officers. In these messages, officers use many racist and homophobic slurs and talk openly about targeting and harassing people of color with violence. These messages are now public and residents of Antioch are understandably outraged. Targeting people based on race and sexual orientation, laughing at the effects of their assaults had on victims in the hospital based on the color of their skin, all while using racial epithets that are unbelievable, disgusting, and shameful. Today, the racist text messages in the Antioch Police Department. Hi, it's Terry Gross, the host of Fresh Air. We bring you in-depth, long-form interviews with actors, directors, musicians, authors, journalists, and more. Listen to our Peabody Award-winning Fresh Air podcast from WHYY and NPR. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support. How did this information come to light? 
you know, frankly, it came to light because the FBI kicked down a bunch of doors and seized a whole bunch of cell phones and even showed up at the police department. And if not for that, I think all this stuff would still be private. This is Nate Gartrell. He's a courts reporter for the East Bay Times. The FBI and the DA, they're doing word searches and texts on these phones because they're looking for evidence of assault and civil rights violations and evidence of covering those up. And so they're doing word searches for things like police dog bite or beat down or whatever kind of lingo or slang is related to that. And then one day, more recently, one of them gets the bright idea like, hey, why don't we look for the N-word? Why don't we look for this racially offensive term or, or whatever, like this racist thing? And they start finding things. The district attorney came forward and kind of announced in court that they'd uncovered racist texts. And then a few days later, a judge allowed them to be released to defense attorneys without any kind of protections. I mean, how many of these messages exist? Do we know? There are two reports. One of them is 21 pages. The other one is about, I think, 17 pages. There's easily over 100 text messages total that are referenced in in these. There's an overwhelming number of officers. I've heard numbers as high as 25 different officers total that are involved somehow. Um, A few days ago, it was 17. A few days before that, it was eight detectives, undercover officers, patrol officers, sergeants, people in internal affairs, and the president of the police union's name even came up. I got to ask you about these actual text messages. I mean, there are many of them. They are, you know, highly offensive. I mean, what is in these messages? So I was warned for days in advance before I got to see them, and it was still pretty pretty shocking to actually see in black and white, even after I was, you know, told. We highlighted a few in the story we wrote, but there was just like so much. It was totally unrealistic to to try and include it all. So there's a whole lot of, of racial slurs, especially the N-word. April 24, 2020, Sergeant Evans to Officer Amiri, quote, I'll bury that N-word in my fields. And yes, it was a hard R on purpose. There's references to black people as gorillas, monkeys, water buffalo, things like that. March 25th, 2021, Officer Adams, quote, bro, they all look the same. Officer Ramba responds, quote, tell me about it. I feel like I'm at the zoo. There's memes, there's jokes about George Floyd's murder right after it happened. People saying, oh man, it sucked that we made that arrest the other day with Pittsburgh police because they wear body cameras and, and we don't have body cameras. August 22nd, 2020. Officer Amiri to Officer Wenger, quote, If Pitt didn't have all those body cams and that was us, we would have fucked him up even more. He didn't get what he deserved. There was a reference to Antioch's mayor, who's who's been a, an advocate to, to try and reform the department. It was, I think, within a month of George Floyd's murder, uh, and there were some, some protests going on that the mayor was participating in or, or speaking at. And somebody wrote like, hey, I'll buy a steak dinner to anybody who shoots the mayor with a... Uh, a 40 millimeter round, which is, you know, a a less lethal or non-lethal gun that shoots like rubber bullets or sponge bullets. There was a guy who said, you know, if I want the case to get filed easier, I just lie and say that um, the uh, suspect gave me a full confession, even if they didn't, because then the DA will file that case. 
So, you know, there's, like I said, not only like explicit, explicit, no doubt about it, racism, but there's also, you know, references to police violence and making light of it. Some of these things that I've seen are like textbook, like civil rights violation stuff, like served on a silver platter to to um, civil attorneys or to prosecutors. I want to move on and talk about the ripple effects of this, starting with the public. I mean, what has the reaction been from residents of Antioch? Uh, okay, public comments. The first thing that happened within hours, I think, of this of, of our, our story with the details coming out was a really heated Antioch City Council meeting that saw a mix of, of public comments. There were, there were literally people that came in and said, hey, you know, I've, I've been against police reform. I kind of thought this was all bullshit, and now I want to apologize. I'm, I'm kind of eating my words here because clearly there's a problem. And I feel like I owe, like, now I really understand why Tamisha acted the way she did during the cops and screaming because I can't even, I can't even imagine I can't believe it. It's disgusting. It's more than disgusting. And then also at the meeting, you just kind of had people like emoting and just sort of venting, like just kind of reiterating their concerns about, you know, the the local police department. I'm the sister of Angela Quinto. I didn't really have anything prepared to say, only what I feel right now. There is a depth of disgust and grief and disappointment that just builds and it grows inside of me. I cannot articulate this feeling. I moved here when my brother was killed in December of 2020 by Antioch police officers when he was asphyxiated to death on my mother's bedroom floor in front of her. We know this, this is a fact, we know this. I don't want to know what they said when they were dissecting his body and they were taking pictures of it. I don't want to know that. But now, all I can think about is that. We know what they've said about so many others, and I hope for so much healing for this community. And then you had, uh, you know, somebody who who tried, you know, to sort of kind of write it off and, and ask the mayor, well, what about your text messages? I believe Lamar should be investigated by the city attorney to determine if he has created a hostile work environment. You should be doing that. I would like an audit of text messages between Lamar and Shagufa during the period of time Shamusha Shagufa was charged. You want audits? Let's get an audit of your text messages. Let's get it. Huh? Let's get it. I would like to see, yeah, I would get it. And the mayor totally went off on him. All right, settle down, everybody, settle down. But that is a dog whistle, dog whistle racism. An apologist for what's absolutely wrong in this city. That is, you want to go outside right now? Let's go. I am sick and tired of being attacked by these people in this community, apologizing for the racism that is going on in this community. You're the problem. You're the problem. You know, pointed his finger at him and said, people like you are the problem here. You know, like this is why we, we got in this situation in the first place is so many community members were, were willing to, to look the other way. Right. And this is notable because Mayor Thorpe is black and Latino, an advocate of police reform and is targeted in some of these texts. Yeah. And I mean, he's been, you know, he's been threatened and, and violently confronted before. 
over this very, you know, police reform debate that's playing out in Antioch. And, uh, you know, he's kind of locally uh, somebody who's stuck his neck out since he took office. Just ask everybody for patience, including myself. <laughs> and I want to apologize uh, for my outburst. That was not right. Everybody has a right to say whatever they want to say. Uh, and I can choose to listen or not listen. And that's my right. It's been a rough few weeks for me. But in addition to hearing these texts earlier today, I was referencing that. And so I, I have just it's it's this is personal to me. Nate, these texts were released during a previous investigation uh, that was, to be clear, already going on before these texts came to light. But do we know if these messages becoming public will affect all that in any way? I have to think that this will speed up the process for um, the federal grand jury that's still convening in San Francisco to determine whether to charge these officers or not. The feds are notoriously slow when it comes to making charging decisions. And I think that the fact that this has all gotten out into public will probably speed that up. I would definitely expect that some of these officers might get fired pretty soon, too, for the same reason, even though uh, many of them have been on unpaid leave for uh, over a year now, at least the ones that are also under criminal investigation. I wouldn't be surprised if um, you start hearing talk about a consent decree or, you know, federal oversight of some sort similar to what's going on in uh, in Oakland for, you know, since the Ryder scandal. I've talked to Antioch cops who are who say that they're horrified about this and they've kind of finally like woken up to the fact that a lot of their colleagues weren't all that great after all, because even with this criminal case, I think a lot of them were in some serious denial. And, and I mean, if these officers are saying in these messages pretty explicitly that they have targeted black and brown people, I mean, doesn't that call into question many of the arrests that they've made over the last few years? The public defender in Contra Costa County has already called on the district attorney to drop all the cases that um, these officers were involved in. I think it, it swings the door wide open for defense attorneys in, in God knows how many cases to file motions for dismissals that will need to be litigated. And keep in mind that in most cases, you know, um, there are people who are in jail right now who might get their charges dismissed, who've been in jail for a really long time uh, with, with high bail set, who might get their charges dismissed. And that's something that is, is yet to be determined, but I think it's a very real possibility. And it's at the very least going to uh, clog up the court system. Not only does this, you know, warrant sort of a, an audit or review of arrests, but I think it also opens the door for anybody who has filed a claim against Antioch police, anybody within the Antioch police department who's black or Latino, who has been unfairly treated to have grounds to file, you know, major civil action. Have any of the officers, do they have anything to say for themselves in, in, in the public uh, arena? Have they said anything? One of the attorneys for one of the officers asked us to change alleged crimes to suspected crimes. Another attorney sent me an email correcting a typo in one, one of the stories. That's about it. We haven't heard any any general reaction to the specific allegations other than, you know, the, the lawyer's letter was sent to the district attorney's office, which is more like they're pissed that it was leaked to the media, not that, you know, they're debating whether or not it's true. The police chief, Ford, who took over after all this and, and came in from San Francisco, he um, has kind of been sort of repeating the same line about how we need to respect due process and we need to, 
you know, make sure this investigation is completed before we start, you know, dumping on people. But he released a, a pretty, um, pretty intense statement, like just just condemning all this stuff across the board and saying it has no place in law enforcement and it's disgusting and and things like that, which is really like a, a big change from kind of like the standard, you know, sort of bureaucratic response that that has come out from the, the police department. And I think that kind of just speaks to like, just how, you know, how little nuance there is in this whole situation. There are a lot of potential legal consequences going forward, but just more generally, I mean, this is a city we've talked about on the show in the past. It was once a very white town. It is now a much more diverse suburb. Um, what do you think this story could mean for the future of police reform in Antioch and really just the politics of, of law enforcement? Well, I mean, it's hard to imagine a scenario where there's at not least like some major local reforms that get passed. And if not like federal oversight, you know, indefinitely, that kind of thing. There have already been some reforms implemented over the past year that kind of deal with data collection and sort of recognizing disturbing patterns and use of force and limiting officers' ability to use their cell phone for anything that's not work-related and things like that. Before any of this, there, the, the city council, uh, although not unanimous, was had a majority of people that were you know, willing to, to impose reforms. And I think that because of this, the, the people who are resistant to it just lost a lot of you know, political ground to stand on. What do you think this says about law enforcement culture in the city of Antioch? I mean, this is a community that has largely been willing to, you know, excuse uh, or side with the police in in any law enforcement related controversy until very recently. And I think when the paradigm started to shift, a lot of folks sort of dug in their heels and were really willing to to write off the youth as, you know, hey, he's, you know, these guys don't know what they're talking about. This is money morning quarterbacking and, and so forth. The thing that's, I think, most indicative of, of what kind of culture the city was dealing with is the fact that these people felt so comfortable saying these things to superiors and not even trying to hide it. A lot of these guys were acting like they're invincible, and no one would do that in their in the in the course of their employment, unless they felt extremely safe. Nate, thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Hey, thanks for having me. That was Nate Gartrell, a courts reporter for the East Bay Times. The people you heard in the city council meeting were Robert Collins, Melissa Case, Bella Orbeo Quinto Collins, and Cel Sobrani. This conversation was cut down and edited by Holly J. McDeed. Maria Esquinka scored it and added the tape. The Bay is a production of member-supported KQED in San Francisco. I'm Alan Monticilio, in for Erica Cruz Guevara. Thanks for listening. Hi. 
Hi, I'm Sasha Koka, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey, that's where you go to Sunshine State, but we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Randa Fattah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.